0: Chapter Fifty One of Mary Marston. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Marston by George MacDonald. Chapter Fifty One. A hard task. The next morning, leaving the shop to Letty, Mary set out immediately after breakfast to go to Thornwick. But the duty she had there to perform was so distasteful that she felt her very limbs refuse the office required of them they trembled so under her that she could scarcely walk she sent therefore to the neighboring inn for a fly all the way as she went she was hoping she might be spared an encounter with mrs wardour but the old lady heard the fly saw her get out and imagining she had brought Letty back in some fresh trouble hastened to prevent either of them from entering the house the door stood open and they met on the broad step good morning mrs wardour said mary trying to speak without betraying emotion good morning miss marston returned mrs wardour grimly is mr wardour at home asked mary what is your business with him rejoined the mother yes it is with him returned mary as if she had mistaken her question and there had been a point of exclamation after the what about that hussy i do not know whom you call by the name replied mary who would have been glad indeed to find a fellow protector of godfrey in his mother you know well enough whom i mean whom should it be but Letty love my business has nothing to do with her answered mary whom has it to do with then with mr wardour what is it only mr wardour himself must hear it it is his business not mine i will have nothing to do with it i have no desire to give you the least trouble about it rejoined mary you can't see mr wardour he's not one to be at the beck and call of every silly woman that wants him then i will write and tell him i called but you would not allow me to see him i will give him a message if you like then tell him what i have just said i am going home to write to him good morning she was getting into the fly again when mrs wardour reflecting that it must be something of consequence that brought her there so early in a fly and made her show such a determined front to so great a personage as herself spoke again i will tell him you were here but you must not blame me if he does not choose to see you we don't feel you've behaved well about that girl Letty is my friend. I have behaved to her as if she were my sister. You had no business to behave to her as if she were your sister. You had no right to tempt her down to your level. Is it degradation to earn one's own living? You had nothing to do with her. She would have done very well if you had but let her alone. Excuse me, ma'am, but I have some right in Letty. I am sorry to have to assert it but she would have been dead long ago if i had behaved to her as you would have me that was all her own fault i will not talk with you about it you do not know the circumstances to which i refer i request to see mr wardour i have no time to waste in useless altercation mary was angry and it did her good it made her fitter to face the harder task before her that moment they heard the step of godfrey approaching through a long passage in the rear his mother went into the parlor leaving the door which was close to where mary stood ajar godfrey reaching the hall saw mary and came up to her with a formal bow and a face flushed with displeasure may i speak to you alone mr wardour said mary can you not say what you have to say here it is impossible then i am curious to know let your curiosity plead for me then with a sigh of impatience he yielded and led the way to the drawing-room which was at the other end of the hall mary turned and shut the door he left open why all this mystery miss marston he said i am not aware of anything between you and me that can require secrecy he spoke with unconcealed scorn when i've made my communication you will at least allow secrecy to have been necessary. Some objects may require it, said Wardour, in a tone itself an insult. Mr. Wardour, returned Mary, I am here for your sake, not my own. May I beg you will not render a painful duty yet more difficult. May I beg, then, that you will be as brief as possible. I am more than doubtful whether what you have to say will seem to me of so much consequence as you suppose." i shall be very glad to find it so i cannot give you more than ten minutes mary looked at her watch you have lately become acquainted with miss yoland i am told she began Phew, whistled godfrey yet hardly as if he were surprised i have been compelled to know a good deal of that lady as lady's maid in her family i believe yes said mary and then changing her tone after a slight pause went on Mr. Wardour, I owe you more than I can ever thank you for. I strongly desire to fulfil the obligation your goodness has laid upon me, though I can never discharge it for the sake of that obligation for your sake. I am risking much, namely your opinion of me. He made a gesture of impatience. I know Miss Yoland to be a woman without principle. I know it by the testimony of my own eyes and from her own confession she is capable of playing a cold-hearted cruel game for her own ends be persuaded to consult mr Redmain before you commit yourself ask him if miss yoland is fit to be the wife of an honest man there was nothing in godfrey's countenance but growing rage turning to the door mary would have gone without another word Stay, said Godfrey, in a voice of suppressed fury. Do not dare to go until I have told you that you are a vile slanderer. I knew something of what I had to expect, but you should never have entered this room had I known how far your effrontery could carry you. Listen to me. If anything more than the character of your statement had been necessary to satisfy me of the falsehood of every word of it You have given it to me in your reference to mr.. Redmain, a man whose life has rendered him unfit For the acquaintance not to say the confidence of any decent woman This is a plot for what final object God knows between you and him I should be doing my duty were I to expose you both to the public scorn that you deserve. Now I am clear, said Mary to herself, but aloud and stood erect with glowing face and eyes of indignation, then why not do your duty, Mr. Wardour? I should be glad of anything that would open your eyes, but Miss Yoland will never give Mr. Redmain such an opportunity, nor does he desire it. For he might have had it long ago by the criminal prosecution of a friend of hers for my part I should be sorry to see her brought to public shame Leave the house said Godfrey through his teeth almost under his breath I am sorry. It is so hard to distinguish between truth and falsehood said Mary as she went to the door She walked out got into the fly and drove home went into the shop and served the rest of the morning, but in the afternoon was obliged to lie down, and did not appear again for three days. The reception she had met with did not much surprise her. Plainly, Sepia had been before her. She had pretended to make Godfrey her confidant, had invented, dressed, and poured out injuries to him, and so blocked up the way to all testimony unfavorable to her was there ever man in more pitiable position in addition to godfrey's rage that he had not a doubt mary knew what had passed between letty and him that he reasoned was at the root of it all she wanted to bring them together yet it would be a fine thing for her to have her bosom friend mistress of thornwick what a cursed thing he should ever have been civil to her and what a cursed fool he was ever to have cared a straw for such a low-minded creature as that Letty! thank heaven he was cured of that cured he had fallen away from love that was all the cure like the knight of the red cross he was punished for abandoning una by falling in love with duessa his rage against Letty, just because of her faithfulness had cast him an easy prey into the arms of the clinging Sepia. And now what more could Mary do? Just one thing was left. Mr. Redmain could satisfy Mr. Wardour of the fact he would not hear from her. So at least thought Mary yet. If Mr. Redmain would take the trouble to speak to him, Mr. Wardour must be convinced. However true might be what Mr. Wardour had said about Mr. Redmain, fact remained fact about Sepia. She sat down and wrote the following letter. Sir, I hardly know how to address you without seeming to take a liberty at the same time i cannot help hoping that you trust me enough to believe that i would not venture such a request as i am about to make without good reason should you kindly judge me not to presume and should you be well enough in health which i fear may not be the case would you mind coming to see me here in my shop i think you must know it it used to be turnbull and marston The Marston was my father. You will see my name over the door. Any hour from morning to night will do for me. Only please let it be as soon as you can make it convenient. I am, sir, your humble and grateful servant, Mary Marston. What the deuce is she grateful to me for, grumbled Mr. Redmain When he read it, I never did anything for her. By Jove, the gypsy herself wouldn't let me. I vow she's got more brains of her own than any half-dozen women I ever had to do with before. The least thing bearing the look of plot or intrigue or secret to be discovered or heard was enough for Mr. Redmain. What he had of pride was not of the same sort as Wardour's. It made no pretense to dignity and was less antagonistic, so long at least as there was no talk of good motive or righteous purpose. Far from being offended with Mary's request, he got up at once, though indeed he was rather unwell and dreading an attack, ordered his brougham and drove to Testbridge. There, careful of secrecy, he went to several shops and bought something at each, but pretended not to find the thing he wanted. He said then he would lunch at the inn, told his coachman to put up, and while his meal was getting ready, went to Mary's shop, which was but a few doors off there he asked for a certain outlandish stuff and insisted on looking over a bale not yet unpacked mary understood him and whispering Letty to take him to the parlor followed a minute after as soon as she entered come now what's it all about he said mary began at once to tell him as directly as she could that she was under obligation to mr wardour of thornwick and that she had reason to fear Miss Yolen was trying to get a hold of him, and you know what that would mean for any man, she said. No, by Jove, I don't, he answered. What would it be? Utter ruin, replied Mary. Then go and tell him so, if you want to save him. I have told him, but he doesn't like me and won't believe me. Then let him take his own course and be ruined. But I've just told you, sir, I am under obligation to him, great obligation. Oh! i see you want him yourself well as you wish it i would rather you should have him than the she-devil but come now you must be open with me i am i will be you say so of course women do but you confess you want him yourself mary saw it would be the worst possible policy to be angry with him especially as she had given him the trouble to come to her and she must not lose this her last chance i do not want him she answered with a smile and if i did he would never look at one in my position he would as soon think of marrying the daughter of one of his laborers and quite right too for the one might just be as good as the other well now that's a pity i would have done a good deal for you i don't know why for you're a little humbug if ever there was one but if you don't care about the fellow i don't see why i should take the trouble Confess you're a little bit in love with them ain't you now confess to that and I will do what I can I can't confess to a lie. I owe mr. Wardour a debt of gratitude That is all but no light thing you'll allow sir. I don't know. I never tried its weight Anyhow, I should make haste to be rid of it. I have sought to make him this return But he only fancies me a calumniator miss Yoland has been beforehand with me Then, by Jove, I don't see but you're quite with him. If he behaves like that to you, don't you see, it wipes it all out upon my soul. I don't see why you should trouble your head about him. Let him take his way and go to sepia. But, sir, what a dreadful thing it would be, knowing what she is, to let a man like him throw himself away on her. I don't see it. I've no doubt he's just as bad as she is. We all are. We're all the same, and if we weren't, "'It would be the better joke. Besides, you oughtn't to keep up a grudge. "'Don't you know, you ought to let the woman have a chance. "'If he marries her, and that must be her game this time, "'she'll grow decent and be respectable ever after, you may be sure. "'Go to church, as you would have her, and all that. "'Never miss a Sunday. I'll lay you a thousand. "'He's of a good old family,' said Mary, foolishly, "'thinking that would weigh with him. "'Good old fiddlestick. "'Damned old worn-out broom-end.' She's of a good old family, quite good enough for his. You may take your oath. Why, my girl, the thing's not worth burning your fingers with. You've brought me here on a goose errand. I'll go and have my lunch. He rose. I'm sorry to have vexed you, sir, said Mary, greatly disappointed. Never mind. I'm horribly sold, he said, with a tight grin. I thought you must have some good thing in hand to make it worth your while to send for me. Then I must try something else, reflected Mary aloud. I wouldn't advise you. The man's only the surer to hate you and stick to her. Let him alone. If he's a stuck-up fellow like that, it will take him down a bit when the truth comes out. That is, as come out it must. There's one good thing in it. My wife'll get rid of her. But I don't know there's an enemy, as the Bible says, that sticketh closer than a brother. And they'll be next door when Durnmelling is mine. But I can sell it. If he should come to you, will you tell him the truth i don't know that it might spoil my own little game will you let him think me a liar and slanderer no by jove i won't do that i don't promise to tell him all the truth or even that what i do tell him uh, shall be exactly true but i won't let him think ill of my little puritan that would spoil your game ta-ta he went out with his curious grin amused and enjoying the idea of a proud fellow like that being taken in with sepia i hope devoutly he'll marry her he said to himself as he went to his luncheon then i shall hold a rod over them both and perhaps by that miserable little Thornwick, mortimer would give the skin off his back for it the thing that ought to be done had to be done and mary had done it alas to no purpose for the end desired what was left her to do further she could think of nothing sepia like a moral hyena Must range her night. She went to bed and dreamed she was pursued by a crowd hooting after her and calling her all the terrible names of those who spread evil reports. She woke in misery and slept no more. End of chapter fifty one A Hard Task